Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here with you. It's been a while. If, uh, if you don't know me, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here. Officially, my title is Pastor Emeritus, uh, which is a Latin phrase meaning old guy we don't know what to do with. So that's, uh, it's really a privilege to be with you. And it's really a privilege to be uh, wrapping up this book of 1 Peter. Now, we're not done with this series. We're going to be moving on uh, into Peter's second letter uh, as well next week. But, but this week, we're wrapping up this first letter to the exiles. And Peter uh, chooses a really important topic for us to focus on this week together, and that's the idea of leadership. Uh, now, before we get to that, though, would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Uh, Lord God, I pray that the words uh, I'm about to speak and the thoughts that um, we all think as we meditate together on your word for us today, uh, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I say leadership or leaders, what do you think of? Uh, my, My guess is one of the first thing you think of is people like this, right? political leaders in the world around us. I mean, it seems like they have kind of become the focus of our lives in so many ways, you know. All you have to do is turn on the news and, and, and somebody's talking about one of these political leaders. And, and, and again, I'm not picking sides here, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever you are. My guess is we all share one thing in common and that is we're not quite sure what to believe about what these leaders say, right? just not quite sure exactly where they're coming from and why they do what they do and what their motivation is and all those kinds of things. And, and if we're honest, we might think there is a certain amount of kind of self-servingness in their leadership. Now, maybe when I said leaders, you weren't thinking politically. Uh, maybe you were thinking more corporately. You were thinking about your boss at, at work or, or other corporate kind of leaders. And it's been kind of interesting, I think, in recent years in our country because, uh, you know, if you had asked me, you know, 10 years ago who the CEO of Amazon was, I'm not sure I would have known. But it does seem like uh, those big corporate leaders have become uh, more popular and more well-known and their opinions about things even other than their own companies seem to matter to to people today. They're in the media a lot. And, uh, and, and so there's a, there's a lot of leadership that takes place uh, from that private sector, kind of corporately in the world around us today. Or maybe you were thinking about a new kind of leader. This is a leader that I didn't even realize existed until a few years ago, until I heard someone describe themselves as a social media influencer, right? And, and these are people that are basically famous for being famous, right? And they've, they've kind of just inserted themselves into our society as leaders now through social media. In fact, uh, the young lady on the left there, she's 18 years old. Uh, she first came on the scene when she was 14 years old and was a guest on the Dr. Phil show. And she said something that kind of became an internet meme. Maybe some of you, you know, know who that is and know more about her. And I don't want to even give her the, I, I don't want you to Google her, don't. But anyway, um, uh, but, but did you know that in the last four years, she is now has a net worth of $50 million dollars? million. Just because she's got lots of followers on Instagram. It's crazy that that kind of leadership seems to be growing more and more in the world around us. Now, now contrast those kind of leaders with the kind of leadership that, that Peter is talking about in this last chapter of his letter, 1 Peter, where he's talking about what it means to be a leader among God's people, a godly leader, a, a leader Um, in God's church. 
And, and, and so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to take a look because I, if there's something our world desperately needs right now, it is godly leaders, godly leadership. And so we want to talk today about three keys that Peter has for godly leaders. And we want to talk about four promises that God has for those leaders. But first, before we get there, I know what some of you are thinking right now. See, some of you are sitting there thinking, oh good, I want to know, what what does God have to say about leadership? And some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm not a leader. I, I, I don't know that I care what Mark has to say here because, you know, I, I don't see myself as a leader, but, but you are a leader. That's what God's word says. Each and every one of you is a leader. Now, do something for me if you would. Take two fingers, put them on your neck, see if you can find your pulse, okay? And just sit there and feel it for a second, okay? Sir, you might want to call 911. I don't say, no, I'm kidding. Um, now, now, if you, I heard this phrase years ago and I use it a lot. If you have a pulse this morning, you have a purpose. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. In other words, if you are still here on this earth, you are here because God has a plan for you. See, a few of you are still looking. It's there, trust me, it is. If, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. God has a plan for you. God has given you gifts. He's given you opportunities. He's given you experiences. He has put you in places where you can be a leader. Now, that may mean lots of different things. It may be that God has equipped you to be a leader in the church, uh, to lead a ministry, to, to become a full-time church worker. To, it may be that God has called you to that kind of leadership, or it may be uh, that God has called you uh, to, to lead a small group. You know how important small groups are to our ministry here at Trinity. And maybe God is calling you to be a small group leader or an apprentice leader as you learn to become a small group leader. Or it may just be that God is calling you to lead like one other person. Like if you are a parent, you are a leader to your kids. And if you're a grandparent, you are a leader to your grandkids. And if, and if you are a coworker, maybe God is calling you to be a leader to a coworker who's, who's seeking, who's searching for something different in their life. Or if you're a neighbor, God has called you uh, maybe to lead your neighbor. But th- the fact is, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose, if you are a part of God's family, God is calling you to lead. I love this verse, Ephesians 4.16. It says this. He's talking about the body of Christ. It's a metaphor for God's family. And he says, as each part of the body, as each part does its own unique work. Now think about that for a minute. You are a part of the body, and this verse is saying you have a unique work to do. In other words, you have a work to do that no one else can do, and if you don't do it, it will not get done. As each part does its own unique work, he makes the body grow so that it is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's make no mistake, Jesus is the one that makes the body of Christ grow. Jesus is the one that makes God's family healthy. Jesus is the one that fills God's family with love, but he does it through us. For some reason, beyond my understanding, God has linked his effectiveness in making that body healthy and growing and full of love to us, doing our part. And again, if it was me, I probably wouldn't have done that. If I was God, I probably would have said, hey, you guys, you just sit back and relax. Let me handle this, right? But God doesn't do that. He invites us to be co-workers with him. And we each have a unique role to play. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, he looked at his disciples, the 12 first leaders of the church that he had called, and he said to them, now you go make disciples. 
If you're in God's family, you are a disciple who makes disciples. You are a leader who leads. And so this morning, as we talk about these three keys of leadership, three godly keys, it it applies to all of us because all of us have at least one other person that God is calling us to lead to be more like him. So, So what are these three keys? Well, the first one is be willing. Now, that may be not what you were expecting. We're going to talk about leadership keys. You might have thought we were going to talk about be charismatic, uh, have integrity, uh, be bold, uh, be insightful. You might have thought, well, those are things that leaders do. No, the first thing God says very simply, if you want to lead in God's church, it's simply be willing. Look at what Peter wrote. He said, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Not under compulsion, not because you have to, but willingly, he says. When I was growing up in in our hallway uh, at at home, uh, there was this painting that my mom and dad had up there, and it was this picture of Jesus standing and knocking on a door. And and of course, it's referring to Revelation 3.20, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And and i got to tell you, growing up, I totally misunderstood this painting. See, I thought this was about... Somebody that doesn't know Jesus, didn't know him as their Lord and Savior, and he's knocking on the door, just waiting for them to open up the door so that he can enter into their life. But later, when I got older and I actually read through the book of Revelation and actually read the context, this is not written to somebody who's an unbeliever. It's written to believers. And and, and it's not talking about coming to faith in Jesus. It's, It's talking about being useful to Jesus. He's saying to the people in the church, I, I'm just standing there knocking at the door. Now, Jesus will not kick that door down. He, 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 will not, he will not, you know, find a way in through the window. He will not look in your ring door camera and go, hello. But he's knocking on the door. He's inviting you to let him use you to lead. And all you have to be is willing. All you have to be is willing to to, to get up out of your chair and open that door and let him in. Somebody told me after the service this morning, and I thought it was pretty good. They said, God isn't looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Ooh, that's pretty good, isn't it? He just wants you to be willing. And the first step to being a godly leader is saying, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm willing. Go ahead. Use me, Lord. Help Help me lead. So what's the second key to being an effective leader according uh, to 1 Peter 5? It's this, be eager. Now you go, well, wait a minute. How's that different than being willing? Well, look at what he has to say. He says this. Um, He says, there we go. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So he contrasts being eager with, with if you're not eager, it means you're, you're doing it for shameful gain. In other words, what he's talking about is your motivation for leading. Now, now let, let me ask you this. Think, think back to those first leaders you were thinking about today, whether those were political leaders or maybe corporate leaders. Or, as you were thinking about le- those kind of leaders that the world recognizes as leaders, what would you say their primary motivation is? See, my fear is, in a lot of cases, it's selfish gain. They're looking for money, or they're looking for power, or they're looking for influence, or they're looking for notoriety, notoriety or fame. That, that They're leading because of what it's going to do for them. 
But God says in his family it's different. That, that it's not for shameful gain. When we lead in God's church, it's not for what leading is going to do for us. It's for what we can do for others. It's being eager to serve, one translation puts it. Now, I got to admit, I, I'm sure we, we all would admit it, that, that there is always a little part of us that whenever we're leading, whenever we're doing something, we are thinking about what's it going to do for us. And, and by the way, we might even play into that in the church sometime. We may say something like, we would love for you to be a small group leader. When you're a small group leader, you will find it's very fulfilling. You get to help make a difference in people's lives, and you're going to feel good about doing that. See, we're kind of playing into that selfish, I want to lead because it's going to make me feel good thing, right? And, and by the way, when we are used by God to lead, it does make us feel good. It is a blessing to use our gifts, but that's not why we do it, Peter says. Peter says in, in God's church, that first of all, we have to be willing to lead, and then next, we need to be eager. In other words, we need to have the right motivation, which is truly that we just want to help others. We want to serve others. And then, and then finally, he says this. If you're going to be a leader in God's church, he goes, you need to be humble. Look at what he said. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Leaders in God's church are humble. Now, now by the way, I, I want to confess that that's something I've struggled with in my life. I, I remember years ago, I, I read this book uh, by a guy named Collins. It was this business book called Good to Great. Any of you ever read that book? It's a fascinating book, by the way. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Because one of the things he does is he looks at companies that were good companies, and they became great companies. And especially in areas where other companies stayed good that were like them. But this company somehow became great. And he said, what is it about that company? And he studied all these different things. And one of the things he identified as a key to companies, good companies that became great, is he called it level five leadership. Now, he admitted in the book he wanted to call it servant leadership, but he thought that sounded too churchy. So he didn't use that. He said it's level five leadership. And, and a big piece of level five leadership was not only motivation, but it was also humility. And, and so at the end of that chapter, he had some reflection questions. And I remember the first time I read those reflection questions, one of the questions just kind of cut me to the core. And I've never forgotten it. The, the question was this. If the organization you lead succeeded beyond your wildest dreams and you got none of the credit for it, would you be okay with that? Tough question. In, in other words, from my perspective, it was, if Trinity Lutheran Church just became this amazing church with multiple sites, it was one of the friendliest churches around, and it was a church that kept growing when other churches were getting smaller, and everybody looked and went, how in the world did that happen with Mark Schultz as the senior pastor? Would you be okay with that? And by the way, I had to admit, I'm not sure I would be okay with that. And, and I, I had to start getting on my knees with God about that and say, Lord, you need to help me be more humble. It, when, I, when I was a, a teenager, when I got confirmed, confirmation was very different back then. And one of the ways confirmation was different is that you didn't pick your own confirmation verse. Nowadays, the kids, and I think it's the right thing to do, they pick a verse that means something to them, that, that they're going to keep the rest of their life, and I think that's awesome. But, but back in my day, the pastor picked the verse for you, and he picked it based on what he thought was appropriate for you. And so you know what my verse was? It was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. (laughs) And by the way, that's the way he read that verse at our confirmation (laughs) service to me. Pride's been an issue for me, and, and being humble is a challenge, and, 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 and so I've had to work at that. And, but God says if you're going to be a godly leader, that's what you need to be. You need to be humble. And, and by the way, just be careful, though, when we say that, because I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Think about that for a second. See, I think sometimes when we talk about humility, we think what that means is you've got to beat yourself up and say, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as capable as you think you are. You've got to kind of beat yourself down. But that's not it at all. In fact, you should not think that way. Here's what God has to say about you. God says that you are his masterpiece, that he carefully formed you and shaped you. God has given you gifts. God has given you experiences. He has, he has made you to be the person that you are, and he's given you um, incredible opportunities to use those gifts that he's given you for his kingdom. You should not think less of yourself. You should just think of yourself less. Worry about not your needs, but the needs of others. Worry about not how this is going to affect you, but how what you can do can affect others as you lead them to know Jesus and to, to grow to be more like him. And then he says this. He says, Christ himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You know, I said before that there were three keys to being an effective leader. Being willing, being eager, being humble. But now he says, I've got four promises for you if you're going to lead. If you're going to be willing to lead, if you're, if you're going to be, be eager to serve others and not yourself, if you're going to be humble and, and use the gifts that I've given you humbly for the sake of others, he says, if you're going to do that, I've got four promises for you. And, and what he says is, when we fail, first of all, he's going to restore us. Because I guarantee you, if you're going to be a leader, whether that's as a parent to your kids, as a, as a grandparent to your grandkids, as a neighbor to your neighbors, as a coworker to your other workers, or, or if you're going to lead a small group, or if, or if you're going to be leading a ministry, if you're going to be involved in God's family doing those kinds of things, if you're going to lead, you will fail. You will mess things up. And I don't mean once, I mean regularly. We are all fallen, sinful human beings, and and we all make mistakes. And this incredible promise from God is not that you're not going to fail. The promise is when you do fail, he's going to pick you up, dust you off, and say, good try, now get back in there and keep trying. You're forgiven. I'm going to restore you. and, And here's the amazing thing to me. I don't know about you, but like at work, Yeah, you might be able to fail a few times, but after about the fourth or fifth time, they're going to go, okay, enough's enough. We've given you plenty of opportunities. You're not going to lead anymore. But that's not what God says. It doesn't matter how many times we fail. We're forgiven. He promises he'll restore us. Here's Here's the second promise. He says, when you are weak, well, that's when you're strong. I I love the story that Paul tells in one of his letters. He's he's talking about the fact that he had this, he describes it as a thorn in his flesh that was getting in the way of his effective leadership for God. 
And, uh, and we don't know whether that was literally a physical thorn in the flesh, that he had physical limitations that he felt were keeping him from being all he could be as a leader, or, or whether that was uh, emotional, maybe it was something mental, a thorn in his flesh that, that was keeping him from, from being effective, or whether that was an outside influence that kept getting in the way. We don't know what it was. We just know this. He says, three times I begged God to take it away. And boy, I can understand that, right? He's going to God, he's going, God, you want me to lead? I could be better if it wasn't for this. Please take this away. He says three times he begged God. Do you remember what God said? God said, no, I'm not taking that away. He says, my grace is sufficient for you because when you are weak, then you are strong. Then I am making you strong. See, God has promised us that, that when we're weak, when we feel like we can't handle it, that's exactly where he wants us to be because he's going to make us strong. And, and then he promises this. He says, and, and when you doubt, he goes, well, then I'm going to make your faith firm. There's another favorite story of mine in the New Testament. This man brings his son to Jesus that Jesus can heal him. The son is going through this, this horrible thing where he will have these fits where he's just laying on the ground and foaming at the mouth and, and lashing out. And, and, and they believed he was possessed by a demon. You know, it looks a lot like epilepsy to us today. I, I don't know, maybe he was possessed, maybe it was a disease, but whatever it was, he knew that they couldn't figure out how to stop this. And so he brings this, this boy to Jesus and, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, I know you can heal him. And Jesus looks at him and he goes, you know what? If you have faith, I can heal him. And do you remember what the guy says? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Did you ever feel that way? I, I have these uh, prayers. I call them my five please prayers. Because I'm going to God, I'm like, please, 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 God. Please help. And, and, and there's a part of me that believes he can and will that he will hear my prayers and he will act. But if I'm honest, there's a part of me thinking, I don't know if this is going to change anything or not. And that's when I think, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Folks, if, if you're going to lead, if you're going to lead in God's church, you are going to find yourself on your knees before God just begging him for help sometime. And, and his promise to you is, when you have doubts, he's going to make your faith firm. And then finally, here's the promise. He says, when the world is falling apart around you, he says, I'm going to put you on a firm foundation. Now, I don't know about you, but the last few years, it seems like the world is falling apart around us faster than ever, isn't it? I mean, there's always going to be toilet paper on the shelves at the grocery store, right? <laughs> or I guess now it's peanut butter, right? No, wait, wait, what? Or, you know... I mean, at least we can count on having a job to go to every day. Well, maybe not. Or, well, at least, you know, at least we've had single digit, you know, small inflation for years. We don't have to worry about, well, yeah, okay, really? It, it just seems like the world is falling apart around us. But here's what God promises. When it feels that way, it says he's going to put us on a firm foundation. He's going to establish us on a firm foundation. There's this old hymn that I just love. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Folks, God promises us that, that when it seems like the world is falling apart around us, we don't have to worry because we stand firm 
on Jesus. So you are called to be a leader. You're called to lead maybe a whole ministry, maybe a small group, maybe just a few other people, one or two other people to come to know Jesus and to experience his love and grace and to be more like him, to help them live their life according to God's plan for them. And he doesn't force us, but he asks you to be willing and to do it not for your own gain, but for the sake of others, and to be humble while you're doing that. And he makes you some amazing promises. So the question is, will you show the world what a real leader looks like? Because, again, I think the world desperately needs those kind of leaders. Let's pray about that, would you? Lord, um, I want to pray for everybody here today, and I, and I pray that we'd all be saying the same thing together, Lord, that we'd be saying, here I am, send me. We'd be saying, Lord, I'm, I'm willing. I am willing to lead wherever you, wherever you call me. And Lord, I'm not just willing, I'm, I'm eager to do that for you. I'm eager to serve others for you. And finally, Lord, I, I don't feel adequate to that, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Because you call me to be humble and you promise that you will use me when I am. And, and Lord, we, we want to cling to your promises together today that, that, uh, that when we are weak, you will make us strong. When we doubt, you, you will make us firm. When we fail, you're going to restore us. And, and when the world is falling apart around us, you're going to establish us on a rock that cannot move. You'll establish us firmly in you. Lord, thank you for calling us to be part of your work in this world and help us be leaders. And Lord, I pray that you'd also hear us as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.